Word of God says in 2 Timothy, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuke and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You are the man of God, I'm not just the man of God here. You all are men in God, I mean, and women, but men, the Bible says, in God. So Father, I anoint each one of them, Lord, to be fully equipped for these great days that we're living in. Train up the youth, train up the baby boomers, Train up the old and the young. Let the old dream dreams. Let the young see visions. And let the Holy Spirit come upon you right now in Jesus' name. Who's not having the God dreams like they used to? Who's not seeing the vision like they used to? You got started. You got saved. And man, you were running. You were really blazing the trail. Forerunning, I call it. Forerunning. And you were just out there. And people go, man, you're just, uh, you know, you're overboard, aren't you? But no, you were living the life in the crucible of God's love, God's calling. I want to be more passionate for the numbers of souls. And yes, I admit, we talk about numbers. We talk about numbers because it's fruit. We talk about finances because it's numbers, it's fruit. Prove me that you have got fruit. I want to see your numbers. I want to see your checkbook. I want to see your checkbook to see how much you do give to God. I want to see the, 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 the soul count, the soul count in your heart of how many people you're praying for, living for, believing for, you know, barracking for, you know, loving on. I want to see that, that soul count. Boy, I'm glad we didn't get one, you know, like this soul count thing, you know. You know, and it just shows how many, the meter, it's like your water meter. The guy comes around every month or every quarter. How many, how many souls you're loving? Okay. How many, how many souls you're praying for? How many souls you're winning? Six million. Gee whiz. <laughs> Boy. Instead of it costing you, you get paid for it. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. I hope you've got your Bibles there. You've got your Bibles and your notepads and your, your pens, your highlighters, and, your, and, and just grab those because I'm going to run through this stuff. Numbers represent fruitfulness, and that's what I want to speak about this morning, being fruitful in ministry, being fruitful in your life. This is our theme for 09. Faithfulness equals fruitfulness. A lot of people faithful out there come to church. I'm faithful, Lord. But there's no fruit, and, and the Bible explicitly talks about faithfulness and fruitfulness. Say fruitfulness. And so Genesis 1.27, the original mandate says, God created man in his own image, to the image of God created. Isn't it great to see Nathan in the house again? He's right on the front row. I can't, this guy's just stepping up to it, man. You are anointed. You, you, you're, just, you're coming alive, man. You walked out last Sunday, I saw you, man, you were like, man, you were in the glory, in the anointing. You're getting defined, you're getting realigned, reappointed, not disappointed, into your calling. That's a great thing. That's fantastic. Man, wouldn't you love to see more guys like this? Uh, here on the rows and in the, and the women then too, because you guys need women eventually. And so, and so, don't go there, don't go there. God created them. Man. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. There's a mandate for us to increase in number. There's a mandate for us to increase of what we have as life, as the anointing, as finances. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature. Father, we take authority over the sharks in our ocean. Let them find their own place to swim and leave our surfboard riders alone. See, it gives us authority over the fish. God promised to Jacob... Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, to Gosford, Shane Valley Bay, Pearl Beach, 
Tuimbei, the mountains, Yaramalong. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I've got people coming and wanting to uh, have an appointment with me now and saying, I'm thinking about joining your church. It's all happening there, I believe. My kids go in there now and they, they don't want to go anywhere else. And I'm in a dilemma. And, and, and so I say, well, it's a vision. It's a vision to spread out. It's a vision to harness the resource called people and who they are. They're calling their anointing and turn it around to the vision. See, every bit of giftedness you've got, skill and ability and resource that you have is ultimately designed for the purposes and the plans of God on the planet. Who can say amen to that? All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And I am with you and I'll watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, to heaven maybe, I don't know. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to do. There's a promises in the Bible that says he is going to absolutely give everybody on this planet one last genuine opportunity to be saved. And it's happening right now. People are receiving the gospel in ways and means and, uh, and in, in such creative means and ways that it's outstanding. And, and listen, God wants to use you in this hour. Being faithful and fruitful with our life is very, very important. You can write that down. Blessed to be a blessing. Jesus tells a parable, and it goes like this. He tells a parable in Luke 19, verse 13. You doing all right? Everyone doing all right in the house? He called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Say that. Occupy till I come. It's actually one minor in another version. Is that what your Bible says? One minor, which is about three months of wages. One minor. So here, I get ten people out the front, and the Bible says this rich man, he says, I'm going to be made king, and I'm going to give to each each one of these ten people, I'm going to give a minor, three months' wages to each one. And then, who knows who the rich man is? Because the rich man says, I'm going to be king, and the king is Jesus. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So let's read on. Luke 19, verse 12. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. <laughs> I love this. A man of noble birth went to the distant country to have himself appointed king. That's actually, I always had it reversed the wrong way. I thought it was Jesus coming to earth to be king, but it's actually Jesus going to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father to be king. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. That's the second coming. Then to return. Who believes in the second coming? Who believes in the second? And then to return. So this is amazing. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten miners. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Do business. Occupy till I come. Until he comes back. And that could be years away, young people. Don't get us wrong when we're saying it's the last days any day. And he could come any day. But this could go on for another hundred years even. You know, that'd be a stretch, but anyway... We've got, to, we've got to live life with a future and a hope. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, this could have been the Jews maybe, I don't know. We don't want this man to be our king. He was made, he was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money. 
in order to find out what they had gained with it. He's coming back and he's saying, Garth, what did you do with your life that I gave you? What did you do with that miner that I gave you? Three months worth of finances that I gave you. We're not talking about finances, but we're talking about your anointing now. We're talking about the skill and the responsibility that I gave you. Skill and responsibility equals anointing. That's what anointing is. Responsibility of the calling that God's got for you on this planet plus your skill to be able to get the job done, but only can be done in the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said at the day, of, uh, uh, he said, wait for this day until you receive power from on high. He said that in the very last words of, of Luke, and he said it in, in Acts chapter 1.8. He said, don't do anything yet. Don't witness, don't even hold a cell group. Don't do nothing. Wait till you receive power from on high. And then with that anointing on upon your life, your giftedness, your calling, your Everything that you are shall become magnified, optimized, and you will become my superhero in God's kingdom. Who can believe in that? Give it up for Jesus right there. Come on, guys, get a bit excited this morning. The first one came and said, Sir, and now he's come. The king has come to the first one. Verse 16, first one came and said, Sir, your miner has earned ten more. Well done, my good, and this version says faithful, and I'll say faithful because I'm trying to make a point of faithful. Well done, my good faithful servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Why does he get cities? He spends money, but he gets cities. This is a parable about the anointing. And the, 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 the more you can be responsible and productive with your life in a given area at serving at the door, doing coffee, doing the band, whatever you're doing in the house, greater will become your anointing. And Jesus might say to you, great, Gail, here, take a whole suburb. You've been faithful with what you've been given with that smile. You spread it around and you love everything that moves. And and, uh, now I'm going to give you real anointing. I'm going to give you true riches. I'm going to give you more responsibility, more skill, more anointing to be persuasive, influential in where you are in your world. Is that good? I love this stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm loving it. 17 says, well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second one, the second one was said, sir, your miner has earned five more. He says, sir, I've earned five more. Uh, his master answered, you take charge of five cities too. And then verse 20, then another servant came and said, sir, here is your miner. <laughs> I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth and can I have a cloth? Can someone give me a cloth? And I need to make. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. Saying that this rich man is a hard man. God, you're a hard man. You expect me to do all this great stuff, build churches, cancel debts, preach the gospel, and thank you, Ali. Give her a hand, everyone. And Jesus, this life, it actually says. Let's go back to the scripture. Then another servant came and said, "Sir." Here is your miner. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you do not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in. He gave you the anointing. He gave you life. He gave you that. He gave you the miner. He gave you the finances. He gave you all that that you have. But... This parable is saying, but you hid it. You kept it away from people. Your smile, your hands of generosity. 
your elms, your gifts, your talents. You hid it away from you. (laughs) And you fell foul to this pressure of this world to be an individual. Suck back into selfishness almost. One of the key things about being a Christian, when you're born again, you become a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. And you become this person now with a capacity to be totally anointed and enhanced by the supernatural power of God to be able to do all this great stuff that the preacher mentions, to be able to love each other. I I can't love. You don't understand me. I'm hiding my love away. I'm I'm hiding my giftedness. I'm hiding my skill, my calling. I'm hiding my anointing. I'm hiding my finances. I'm hiding it because God... This is too hard. You are a hard man. Can you see that? You are a hard man. You're trying to get out of me what you haven't put in. No, he's put it in all right. And he's asking us to do business until he comes. We think sometimes it's in our own strength. In our own strength. In our own sufficiency. Aussies are brilliant at this. In my sufficiency, I will beat the recession. In my sufficiency, I will do what I'm called to do. Raise family, some fathers would say. In my sufficiency, I will excel. I will do. But God says if you do that, you will have no power from Him. No anointing, no mercy, no grace. Do you see what I'm saying? But if you say, God, you've called me to a church now? and I'm a new creature in Christ, and, and your anointing is in me, and, and now I'm joined to you by your Spirit, and now there's mercy, love, and grace flowing through your kingdom. You mean I can love these people? But I've never loved anyone, including my wife or my husband. You honestly think I could love these people? You've got to be joking. You are a hard man. You are a hard man. This is a joke. I can't build your church. I can't build love. I can't give love. But you can. The Bible says, Luke 17, verse 33, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. You see that? If you keep your life from God, from each other, and from the world, you will shrink, you will shrink, your anointing will shrink, your love will shrink, your faith will shrink, your trust will shrink. One of the huge dilemmas we have in self-sufficiency is the trust factor. God, I know I can do this myself, but in your game plan, with your principles, I'm not sure. If I give to you, that you will give back. Give and it shall be given. Press down, shaking together. I hear this, Lord, but I know what I have and I know what that can do. But God says, in my kingdom, you give and it will be doubled. It will be doubled. 30, 60, 100. You give me that anointing and you love that little friend that you're supposed to love, I will, I will double the anointing. You forgive that person and I will double the forgiveness on you. And you'll feel like you're the most holy person on the planet. 
So the church and each individual are called to prosper, grow, multiply, succeed in doing kingdom business. And that's where the anointing and that's where the favor is. And that's where the power is to do an extraordinary life. That's where the power is, is in the vision to be God's people. That's where there's provision. Some people never get the provision of mercy, grace, and, and the whole deal which is theirs because they never step into the kingdom, into their calling, now giving their life away, giving their anointing away, and doing business. Seven souls saved on Friday night. That's pretty good. That's business, isn't it? Come on. <laughs> Occupy till he comes. Do business until he comes. Pray, give, love, speak, declare, decree, rend the heavens, allow God's kingdom to come into a gatehouse church, C3 Tugra, and be displayed to all that would come. Luke 5, 1, 10 says another thing about, and it makes a distinction there about quantitative and quality of the, the parable mentions, and I'm not going to have time to go there, but it talks about Jesus saying to Peter, go out into the deep, throw your net out. And they do. They throw the net out and the net fills. Just like what happens in our church sometimes. The net fills on the altar. People get saved. And then their part, Peter's partners started to come around the boats to help them. But the boats and the nets, the nets in particular started to break and they're trying to bring in this supernatural harvest. Some people are like that. They try and take in the anointing. They try and take in a, you know, a great blessing. They try and take in, even us as a church, we're trying to take in the more souls of people being saved. And, but the Bible says that in doing that, our nets could break. And the nets are this. You can write this down. The word means a fabric made by interlocking threads, by twisting them, at their points where they cross each other. The strength of the net depends on the number of twists and knots made in it. And the, the net is actually the relationship ships in the church. And Garth, stand up. And, and, and yeah, sorry, Garth, I'm looking at him, but Andrew, stand up. And Garth and Nathan, maybe you need to stand up. I wonder if you guys can get out the front up here on the stage. I'm really going to embarrass you now, but I'm not. And the Bible's saying that well, there's a huge catch. You had seven saved on Friday night. And Jesus is trying to tell us through a parable that if our net, which is relationships, and the net is like, it's like, you know what it is, it's square holes, but the nets are determined, the strength of the net is determined by the knots that are created, which is the relationship between people in the house. So can you lock arms, you guys? Can you lock arms and those right? That's exactly what I wanted. Right there. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 yeah. Come on. Come on. So I'm, I'm a new Christian. I'm a new Christian. I just got say, whoa, what a night. Friday night. Boy, I'm 12, 13, 14. Now it's great. I'll do it differently this time. Trust me. Um, and so, uh, here is this net, uh, it, which is, the relationships in the church. And the Bible says that if the net is not strong, that you're going to let me break through there, aren't you, Garth? You're going to let that big arm just let me through because if these relationships, if you hardly know him and you're not really committed to him, you don't really like him, he's there but he's not there, 
this, this fish is just going to go like that, all right? But hang on, you do know him. Actually, you helped him get saved, so I hope you do like him. Nathan and Andrew, yeah, you, yeah, you get used. Don't worry, buddy, it's okay. And, 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 and bang, they, they stop, they're going, wow, what's all this about? And, and, and bang, and what's all this about? Hey, guys, are, are, you're telling me you love me, do you? You're telling me you care. And they're just locking and holding through this relational value, which is the church, which in doing this, by the way, is what Jesus wants us to do. He commanded to he commanded us to love each other. And in the joining together, thanks guys, you can take a seat, I need to move quickly now. Isn't that great? In the joining together, in Ephesians 4.16... See, the relational aspect of the church is so important. When people come in, they need to feel that love. They need to not slip through the net and go, oh, that's so-and-so, they got saved last Friday. Oh, yeah, okay, well, so what? Anyway, Next. No, they're being loved on by strong relational value of the church. Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Say that. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ephesians 2.21, in him the whole building, the whole church now is joined and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives. You're actually being built together, whether you like it or not. I don't want to be built together. I don't want to, I don't want to become, uh, I don't want to become, uh, I don't want to be built together. I don't want to be joined together uh, as a church. I like to come and spectate. Yes, it's true. But I certainly don't want to become this, this, you know, this person that is, is joined to these people. I, I've got a life to live. I've got my own life and I can't share the burdens of all these people. I've got enough burdens of my own. I can't share a burden of a financial debt of a church and believe for 25,000. I've got enough debt of my own. But the Bible says when you join with that person with the debt, when you join with that church who has the debt, supernatural power comes in you, on you, and your anointing begins to... And you become this... The widow who gave her two mites got dutifully blessed by Jesus himself and said, this woman, this woman, wow. I'd love Jesus to say that to me. When church aspires to the strong relationships in love and to God and to each other, look out, Ecclesiastes says 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Are we getting a good return for our work, guys? For you know the tithes and offerings we're given? I'm giving reports up here every Sunday, seven saved on Sunday night. Are we getting good dividends here? Is there any better? Maybe you need to work that out if you think there's better dividends somewhere else. But I believe there's good fruit, Luke, in this house. The people blessed, saved, set free. But the, and all, all the economy is going south, but the churches, the dividends are going up. Madoff's in jail. He's, he's, he's gone from a seven million penthouse, world's biggest con artist, now is in jail. And the, the Bible says in Haggai, there will be a shaking in the last days. And anyone who believes in the, in the, in the, in the riches and, and the, the, these, these temporal riches of life to the degree where they sell, sell their whole life out, their soul out to it, you will be disappointed. Like so many people are disappointed out there right now. Don't trust in the riches and the temporal things. Have eternity in your hearts, guys. Is that right? 
Colossians 2.2, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and mind, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding and order. I've got to get to the good part. I can't help it. I'm going to cut to the chase right here, guys. Carry each other's burdens and this will happen. Uh, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Unfortunately, say unfortunately, our world has indoctrinated us into selfish lifestyle. Me, mine, and I, or me, myself, and I. Wasn't that a Jim Carrey movie? I don't know. Me, myself, and I. Right. You live your life like that, friend, you just fall and foul to what this world is trying to do for you. There's three relationships I need to get across to you very quickly in the life of the church and what God is proposing to you as a born-again Christian and can be done. Now, I'm going to crunch right now. You'll find marriages won't work because they don't do this. You'll find church doesn't work for some people that don't do this. You will find good friendship doesn't work for people who don't understand this. And it's all based in this, covenantial love. An unconditional love for each other that Jesus says we can do when we receive. Can't do when you're not saved. When you don't receive the grace, the anointing on God, of God in your life, that minor that you've been given, which is the anointing, the grace, the common grace. You can't do business. You can't. Your family doesn't prosper. Your life does not prosper. There's broken relationships. And listen to me straight up right now. God wants relationships to be restored in this house. Amen. God wants people to be restored in their marriages. That's what we're about. But it cannot be done if you negate the agape love, which is love that does not depend on your feelings or your haircut or your debts, but depends upon you being obedient to Christ when he says love. And what you're dealing in here, why this place is so great, is that you're running into a strong net of people that love each other, that are willing to put their attitudes aside, their bad haircuts aside. And when we come together as C3 Tugra, we're a formidable force of a loving church. Amen? That's who we are. Do you think we're like smiling, you know, patronizing? We honestly are in the anointing to smile. We're in the anointing to be friendly with you. We're in the anointing to work as teams. And if you don't step and stand into that anointing and put aside all your indifferences, you will never feel the greater anointing for you to be a true contributor to the kingdom of God. And you will not be fruitful. You will shrink back and you will be in this despondency of not being profitable in God. First thing that happens in the life of the church, fellowship, koinonia. Got it, praise God. Koinonia, koinonia, meaning sharing, partnership, contribution, association, participation. It speaks of harmony between the believers. 2.42, Acts 2.42. I'm nearly done, it's all right. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. What you've got here, guys, is a dynamic awareness of people loving each other, pulling with each other, arms locked and loaded, and we're saying, we're not budging off this line. It's Jesus Christ or nothing. As for this house, and my friends, we serve God. And we're coming at you with the gospel, and we're doing business for the gospel. 
And we're going to be fruitful for the gospel. Second level, if you want to go further, kingdom partnership, which is all about the stewardship and the giving. To build on that fellowship, which is the first one, koinonia spirit, kingdom partnership happens when the Holy Spirit draws teams of people together to accomplish God's purposes. You've been drawn here to accomplish a person, not because Pastor Phil wears nice shirts or Julie just sings fantastic or Julie and the band and forget that. You're not going to build nothing on that. But if you feel, I don't know why, I, look, I'm not too fussed on his T-shirt, I'm not fussed on him either, but I just feel drawn because it's not built on personalities. It's built on a divine awareness that in your heart is eternity and in your heart is the divine purposes and the plans and your destiny in your heart. And when you come around us, you go, my heart, it's beating for eternity. It's beating for souls. It's beating for this place, this city, this town to be revived. I don't know what it is, but I'm coming alive. I could even love you, Nathan. I could even love you, Mrs. I could even love your, your children. That was a low blow, that one, wasn't it? But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a dynamic where you begin to pull this individual. Come on, come on, come on. Kingdom partnership. Great Priscilla, Greek Priscilla and Quilla, my fellow workers in Christ, they risk their lives for me. Romans 16 verse 3. Kingdom partners are drawn by personalities, not by personalities or some idle notion, but around the purposes, and the purpose of this house is the saving of souls. Can I hear an amen on that? We're about saving souls. And I'm going to leave all my bad attitude at home. I'm going to leave my bad hair day at home. I'm going to leave my bad weather at home. I'm going to leave my bad disposition at home. And I'm going to step up and step step into this place and declare it, just like at a cold play concert, that... God is God, that the gospel is good, and these are my friends who all like the same thing. Oh, I'm really enjoying this now. And the next one, and this doesn't happen too often, but it did happen between Jonathan and David, covenant relationship, third aspect of networking. If you find this person in your life, it's probably your wife, it's probably your husband, it's probably some very sincere person It's called covenant relationship, which is built on fellowship, but built on kingdom partnership, but now built on covenant relationship. The third aspect of networking in the, through the people of God is through deep, authentic, meaningful, deep, godly, intimate friendship. Usually lasts a lifetime despite the trials, the hurts, misunderstandings, and all the other challenges that you, that you do have. And Jesus describes this kind of relationship in John 15, 12. You enjoying this? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. We need this sort of love in this church to continue this strong net to cope with all the visitors. Even now, there's visitors in the house and they're, they're, they're only going to be, be able to belong and feel the love, feel the power of God when they feel, when they look at us and they see that covenant relationship in us, when they see the fellowship in us, when they see the kingdom partnership. And they're going to be able to say, man, those guys, they cancelled 25 grand in one morning. These guys are phenomenal. They're not living selfishly. They're living for the cause, for the, for the unified cause of souls in, the, in God's house. 
How can it be done? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Friend, if you didn't know this scripture, you need to know it now. If you think that you can't live by not pulling this veil down, pulling this, this protection down and trusting and believing in God but in each other, if you think you can't, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Once you receive Christ, guys, you can enter into the most powerful relationships in your entire life. God, marriage, friendship, church, look out. It all can happen in God. Resist the spirit of selfishness and allow yourself to trust and build healthy relationships in your life by the power of God's spirit. It can be done. And the last scripture in Ephesians 2, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, this is Satan now, guys, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, stopping you from and isolating you and allowing you to live in a selfish mode of life, stops you entering into true fellowship with God, with each other, the church, and even to love a broken world. The spirit of the age tries to influence you with no relationship or commitment in your life, in your church. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. But you can in the anointing. The church is joined together by fellowship, kingdom partnership, covenant relationship through prayer, worship, communion, teaching. Thank you for all the people praying for us. We feel it. Christ is committed to building his church worldwide and locally. Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of secularism, the gates of self-sufficiency, the gates of every idol that you can poke a stick at, it will not stop this church breaking forth as a strong church of covenantal love. Nathan, stand here, good buddy. Garth, I've got to show this one more time. I've got to feel like, I've got to, I've got to feel it. I've got to, no, I'll, I'll do this, yeah. And, and man, when you lock and load like this man, and you join with your friend's anointing, and you cleave to your friend like this, and when you submit your life to his grace, to his anointing, to his destiny, to his anointing, you watch what you can do. You can move mountains. Oh, do you want to come in too? Yeah, come on. Andrew and Jilly, come on in, guys. Come on in. This is the net. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Sorry, this is, this is a girl. This is a girl thing too. This is a girl thing. Now, listen, listen, here's my point. Jesus said, in revival, in your time of blessing, when you let your nets down in the deep, when your breakthrough is imminent, when your breakthrough is imminent, when your church is experiencing revival, the, church, the, the Bible says in the parable that Jesus said, when we let our nets down and we got these tight knots hung together and we become a net, those fish ain't going to, they're, they're going to spoil and the blessing ain't going to spoil. All the good stuff is not going to spoil because we're going to contain it. How do we contain it? Mindsets changed. Love divine flowing and God's people in unison, in harmony, through a divine connection of submission, obedience, in being God's church. Thanks, guys. God bless you. Fantastic.
If we were just individuals, if I just had my bad hair day and who I am and my disposition and blow you, Jack, blow you, Jack, and yeah, I'll hang around, but forget that. People come in and they just go, well, that's just like the world. Oh, well, I just get that at the office. Oh, I got that at the sports field uh, yesterday. Uh, but if you lock and load, and they, the Bible says, if they see that love in us, the world will know that the Father has sent the Son. I love it. I love it. I'm willing to deny every disposition, every bad attitude, every rejection, every hurtful word, every ugly thing that would try and attach itself to me. Let's all stand. God bless you. I'm going to trust God. Maybe you need to trust God this morning and believe that you can release your life. Agape love. Unconditional love for your friend.